Hey everyone, welcome to our special Mardi Gras edition of the Dana Joe Sports Show. Lizay the Ball Top Roulet, and as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, uh, you know, just got done with the Super Bowl over the weekend. And for all you Eagles fans out there, I can commiserate. Joe and I are huge Saints fans, and we know what it's like to have either a flag or a no flag on a defensive secondary member go against us and end our chances at winning the Super Bowl. And because of that, I busted out the old school Saints flag beads. Of course, they're a different situation because the Saints were looking for the flag on the clear pass interference or also targeting that could have been called uh, in the 2019 NFC Championship game in New Orleans. Uh, meanwhile, this is one where, you know, I think there's pretty much universal agreement. It's not a terrible call. It's the timing of the call that's bad. Plus, there, you know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, ambiguity with the rule of how much contact you can have within five yards. Because if I were to sit here and put my my big green machine on, you know, idea on and fly eagles fly and argue and be like, well, why can't you make that contact? Because you're within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And how would you respond to that, Joe? That's the thing that I've been kind of confused about with this penalty. Yeah, that that's a question you don't really have a good answer for. And I think that the league got bailed out to some degree because the defensive player involved said that it was a penalty. Mm -hmm. I think you know if he had not said that, there would be even more pushback from even non you know Eagles fans. But I think at the end of the day, you know the biggest travesty for me, you know. I was pulling for the Chiefs, and so in the moment, I had you know some excitement about the opportunity for them to win the game. But when I think about it and kind of digest it, my takeaway was that we were deprived, you know, a really exciting potential finish because I really think you know there have been a great chance, you know, if the Chiefs take the lead there, great chance for uh, Hurts to get the ball back with like a minute and a half to go and have a chance to uh, get a game-winning touchdown. And even if they didn't, that's the kind of opportunity that you like to see in the climax of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Joe, I mean, this was one of the, the the best played games I think we've seen in the Super Bowl ever, maybe. I mean, it was really evenly matched, just really good football throughout. And you wanted to see Jalen get that last opportunity. I mean, he had played so great during the game, with the exception of one play, that you wanted to see what he could do given that opportunity. I mean, he had, he had been put out there – with this golden chance in his third year in the league to show what he has and to compete for, you know, an MVP. And he did it. He put himself out there and really, you know, outside of his, his inexplicable fumble, just an incredible game over 300 yards passing over 70 yards, rushing three rushing touchdowns. I think he had two pa passing touchdowns as well. And, you just hated that you didn't get to see him with the ball with a minute and a half left to see if he could tie the game, take it to overtime, which I think an overtime in this one would have been excellent because, um, say, catch me if I'm wrong, they both would have had a chance to get the ball fully, right? I think they took away the stupid field goal rule whether that if you score a touchdown, the other team doesn't get the ball back. That's right, right. Both teams would get to possess unless you have a touchdown scored to win it. And I saw where Buffalo Wild Wings have a lot had a lot of promotions they were going to do if the Super Bowl went to overtime. So I think they were probably vastly disappointed by it. And I think, yeah, I felt just kind of like the game ended abruptly, kind of like we were all, you know, deprived that um, potential exciting finish. And so to me, that was 
um, a major travesty. And, and, I, and I felt sorry for Eagles fans, you know, to a large extent. Yeah, I did too. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't have blown that lead the way they did. Well, they did blow the lead, but they also, when they got down by eight points, were able to come back and mount that touchdown drive and get the really tough two-point conversion. Um, you know, I think that showed how much faith they have in Jalen's running ability. They let him do that play, which kind of felt like everyone in the stadium knew they were going to run a counter with Jalen right there, and he still was able to bully his way into the end zone to get the two-point conversion. Yeah, he's, in my opinion, kind of virtually unstoppable in those types of situations. Like, I really trust him with his legs, with the ball. So I thought that was a great play call there. Um, yeah, I think that when I look back at how the game played out then, it was similar to some extent to Mahomes' previous Super Bowl win against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously Hurts played terrifically, but I also look at how the Chiefs had been behind most of the game. They were down by 10, I think, in the second half and they kind of played an ugly offensive game, and then they just kind of turn it on in the second half. And that's kind of what Mahomes did. You know, he ended up winning the MVP of the game, but his numbers by his standards kind of pedestrian. I think maybe he got 200 passing yards, you know, an efficient game, but not, you know, the 300 or 400-plus output that we've grown to expect. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think he finished like 182 yards. I think that was what the final stat line was. It was like 182 with three touchdowns, no interceptions, which is huge. But the biggest stat of all, Joe, and the one that shocked me is zero sacks. I was expecting the the Eagles to get home on him a few times in the game because of what we saw with the with the Bengals game and with some of the earlier Chiefs games. Their offensive line wasn't the strength of this team. And they played an absolutely excellent game against by far the best defensive line in the NFL. Yeah, that was really impressive because that had been such an Achilles heel for the Chiefs two years ago when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers and they go out, you know, add some new offensive linemen. And I think that that was something they really were determined to do in this game as a hallmark of the uh, game plan. They protected Mahomes. And also, speaking of protection and offensive line play, I came away almost feeling like they had a stronger running back arsenal because their backs like McKinnon and um, also the rookie uh, Pacheco, like they they really performed well in clutch situations. Yeah, they did. I, I was shocked at how well they were able to run the ball against the Eagles because that was something that really worried me about this game was the limited, you know, uh, pass catchers that they had and the fact that they were going to have to rely on all these limited receivers because they didn't have much of a running game. And instead, I mean, part of the reason that Mahomes threw for less than 200 yards was also because in the second half, they were able to run the ball really well with Pacheco and McKinnon. Right. And, you know, before the emergence of Pacheco, I was pretty adamant thinking the Chiefs were going to need to maybe spend their first or second round pick on a running back. But they may have a gym in Pacheco and maybe they can go add another, you know, wide receiver in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, based on what I saw in the Super Bowl – I think more value be be gone with them trying to get another uh, high-level receiver to oppose Kelsey than it would be to go out and spend money on a running back. And that's, you know, the thing about this matchup, Dan, that's kind of cool for both teams. You know, disappointment, obviously, for the Eagles. I can't understate that. But at the same time, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to have two first-round picks due to some previous trades in the upcoming draft. And the Chiefs have loaded up on draft capital with the Tyreek Hill trade. And so both teams with young quarterbacks have a chance to be here for a while. And with Tyreek Hill, 
I think to myself, an implication of this win, I feel like with it being a copycat league, you're going to see more teams decide to trade their high-value wide receiver and load up on draft capital when they can because in a quote-unquote rebuilding year, we saw the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is definitely a philosophy that you're going to see a lot more GMs go with. Um, you know, you saw two teams do it in the offseason last year. You saw the Chiefs do it. They're holding the Lombardi trophy again. And then you saw the Titans do it to a much lesser uh, level of success. They started off so hot, and then what, they lost in the last five games and allowing Jacksonville to come back and win that division. And, you know, it's interesting because they traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles. You saw the Eagles make the Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but they got there. And the Eagles kind of spent all their money trying to do it for the now. And they went out and got uh, went out and got Indominus Sue, went out and got uh, A.J. Brown. They spent all this money. And, you know, on paper, they were the better team than the Chiefs. And you and I both picked the Chiefs to win this game. We kind of thought it might be a multiple-score game. And instead, the Chiefs showed that you can build for the future, especially if you have that gym at quarterback and if you have the, uh, the bully tight end, which is a matchup nightmare, and you can still win a Super Bowl. Absolutely, Dan. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And the important thing for the Eagles will be, you know, where they go from here because they've got the talent, they've got a young roster, but they've got to decide, you know, what they're going to pay Jalen Hurts. You know, obviously it's going to be, I think, whatever he wants, but that's going to impact similar to what the Bengals are going to go through soon with Joe Burrow. That's going to impact how much you can pay the other key players on your team. You know, suddenly you're kind of dealing with the salary cap, which is something that the Chiefs have had to be, uh, creative uh, with so far as well with Mahomes. And so if you're the Eagles, we've seen a lot of teams in the past in the history. Um, the Super Bowl loser will sometimes have a disappearing act where they don't always, you know, uh, come back over the next few years and contend. Um, I feel like the Eagles will be different, but that is something, you know, that we'll have to see if they're able to overcome that trend. Absolutely. I mean, you know, today I would say they are going to overcome that trend, but the trend is out there and it keeps happening over and over again. And there's a lot of good young talent there, incredible wide receiver room, a quarterback who I think really shone brightly on the on the brightest stage. And, you know, it seems like the the odds are in their favor, but we shall see. Absolutely. Joe, you mentioned how good the running backs look for the Chiefs. I really wanted to, you know, comment on what I thought was an amazing Un, uh, you know, just unselfish effort by McKinnon to take that slide there at the end of the game because that was something that, you know, you wouldn't have faulted him at all if he scored a touchdown. He's never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl before. He was a lightly drafted player, I think, out of Troy. Never really had, you know, he's always been someone that gets to start only because other people get hurt. And he's got this opportunity to get the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. And instead, he makes a heady veteran move, knowing that if he slides inside the one, I mean, Buckner could have made that field goal standing backwards and kicking it. And he knows that then Jalen Hurts and the Eagles don't get a chance to get the ball back. And he makes the move for his team and slides. And I see, I've seen it all over Twitter. A lot of football coaches saying, I'm going to show this clip over and over again to my players to show them this is the way you act like a team player. Oh, definitely, Dan. I think that's uh, very well said. And I think without a doubt that had such a profound impact on the end result of the game because we know in the NFL, especially also college, even high school to some extent, 
if you give offenses in this day and age an opportunity, you know, 30 seconds or more on the clock to go down the field, the odds are, you know, they're going to do it, especially the way Jalen Hurts was playing. I mean, you give him a minute to go, even if you have the lead there, you know, who who knows he's probably going to get, get a touchdown drive. And so I thought that was a great move there. And, you know, the penalty obviously played a monumental factor, but it was very interesting and somewhat unique that the uh, Chiefs were able to hold the ball at the end of the game as long as they did. I mean, how many times at the end of an NFL game do you see a team, you know, give the ball back to somebody with, quote, unquote, too much time left on the clock? I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, how many times has Tom Brady won games because somebody gave him the ball back with 38 seconds even? Yeah, last year for Mahomes, I think it was 13 seconds where they tied it against Buffalo in the, the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was able to move about 60 yards to get into field goal range within 13 seconds. I remember that. That was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, great play, though, you know, at the end of the day by McKinnon. Yeah, it was. And I saw all, of, all over Twitter with, of course, you know, me being such an Auburn fan, our show's Twitter page gets a lot of Auburn comments. People being like, wow, if only uh, – if only Auburn's running back back in 2013 would have done that uh, against Florida State and, you know, just ran it down and kneeled on the one-yard line instead of scoring that touchdown and giving uh, Jameis the ball back, then Auburn would have won the national championship in 2013. And, I and you know, and I, that's something I remember watching that game because our defense couldn't stop Jameis, and he gets – he busts out this really huge run, Trey Mason does, who, of course, is a Heisman Trophy finalist. And it's like an 80-yard run, and Trey Mason, I remember he gets inside the five, and I'm like, get down, please get down, because, I mean, we would have scored. It was just, you know, it was basically, I think, a minute and 13 seconds is what he loved, Jameis Winston. And I was like, if you can just get down right now, we can run the clock out, and you can score and leave him no time. And, of course, you know, he scored the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you've got to score, you know, when you can score. The only time I've seen it really um... – not come back to buy the team. I think it was the second Giants Patriots Super Bowl where the I think the Patriots were about 40 seconds to go let the Giants score just so they could have time and the Giants just took the touchdown mm-hmm. and then the Patriots had a Hail Mary attempt at the end but they couldn't uh you know win the game. So like that's one of the rare occasions I can think where it didn't come back, you know, to bite somebody. But to your point though, it seems like in this day and age you're much better served most of the time to milk that clock all the way down at the very end. Absolutely. I mean, especially if all you need is a field goal to win the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Joe, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, with with the Super Bowl last night is, what did you think about the halftime show? Was it one you were a fan of, or was it one that, you know, was a little man, in your opinion? I mean, I thought it was okay. Um, you know, I think that there was some nostalgia for me hearing some of uh, Rihanna's music, you know, that was especially some of the songs that were popular in high school and in college. And so I thought that was a cool aspect for me, but, you know, anytime um, it comes to you just critiquing choreography and and things like that, and, you know, the music in general, I'm never, you know, the the best person at that, but um, I I never, as far as what I've read, it seems like a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, it was pretty good or okay. Yeah, I put it in the okay category. I mean, it, it wasn't my favorite one. I really liked the elevated stages that they had. They kind of moved around. And the fact that you could put the backup dancers on the side stages 
And I mean, how high they would lift the, the platforms. I did like that aspect of it. Yeah, that, that was that was cool. And I did think it was a clever, you know, way to have that many backup dancers to distract from the fact that obviously Rihanna wasn't able to be as, you know, physically engaging as she generally is during one of her concerts with a lot of dancing because, you know, she was pregnant and that's why they they did it the way they did. And I thought they they did a good job of working around that. You know, the only question I would have had is maybe could they have chosen to put her on a different year and let her really be herself? And that's, you know, I mean, I guess maybe they just, you know, they didn't want to wait and they thought it was her opportunity, which obviously, I mean, she's earned it. And, you know, I, I knew a lot of her songs, but there was even more that I totally forgot she sang they played during the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, she's, she's made a lot of music. I mean, really going back to probably at this point, the early to mid 2000s. Yeah. You know, and the only thing that I, that I was kind of expecting is I thought maybe they'd bring somebody else out. I thought that also would have been a very good way to make it where maybe she didn't have to dance or do as much stuff. So if you brought somebody else out there, maybe you bring somebody else out like an usher or somebody that can be a really good dancer that could have paired with her. And I think that might have also helped a little bit. In some Super Bowls, I feel like you'll have multiple performers. Like it doesn't just have to be one uh, headliner. Yeah, so I mean, like, so like last year they had their theme with – uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem and Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar and all of them playing. And, you know, for the whole L.A. hip hop uh, aspect and the Dr. Dre, the Dr. Dre tree, uh, the Dr. Dre Dre tree of rappers uh, with 50 Cent, too. And I thought that was cool. And I was kind of surprised that they gave Rihanna just the sole billing on this one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that, that, that that's a good point. Um, and Joe, let me say this, uh, in terms of our lock of the week on the prop bet, we definitely hit it because it was two and a half on how many times they're going to mention the Kelsey brothers. And I got to say, they, they've mentioned it at least five or six times. Yeah. That, that was something that was, uh, definitely, uh, repetitive. That's right. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk, uh, a locker room talk that's Mardi Gras themed. So make sure that everybody tunes into that. Uh, you can catch all of our episodes on Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can see us live in living color and with beads on. And of course, you can always uh, follow us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.